Hello everyone, this is China Paradigm, where we, Dashi Consulting, interview seasoned entrepreneurs in China. Hi everyone, today I'm with Sebastian Godin. Uh, I hope I pronounce well in, in English. Sebastian Godin in French. And you have been um, um, in the space of entrepreneurship since 2014. You started the Care Voice in March 2014, which is uh, initially an app doing crowdsourcing of opinions, reviews on hospitals, doctors in China. And you have recently pivoted on a SaaS model, uh, providing insurances um, a, um, a service to interact, um, offer services, and engage with their users. So I'm very happy to finally interview you. It has been months I, I wanted to have you on the show because I feel your experience is would be so interesting and so inspiring for, for the audience, uh, both in China as an entrepreneur, uh, in healthcare, which is in insurtech, which is a very hot uh, sector today worldwide and, and especially in China. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Matthew, for inviting. Um, yeah, pleasure to share my experience. Uh, of course, it's always like uh, time constraints, but, uh, but I wanted to do it. I think it's always important to give back um, to the community, to industries, and, and share more about what we do. So no, I think your your, your introduction uh, about the company is pretty on, on spot. Uh, we started um, Care Voice um, to address the mistrust from consumer for medical services. Um, quite strong mistrust here. People moving from one hospital to another, not compliant to doctors' uh, prescription or recommendation. And many industries in China have been changed through the eyes of consumers. Uh, and so the idea was to start uh, first an app open to the public to let people share their experience and get in return ratings and recommendations on medical providers, doctors to be more confident about their choice. Uh, but this uh, pure to see model um, is kind of challenge if you want to be able to uh, to scale. You need uh, lots of and lots of funding. Uh, it delays uh, revenues. Uh, the revenues are more linked to your user base and likely more advertising related. While we wanted to stay independent from medical providers and, 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 and hospital, not having any revenues from them. So um, I think we made a pivot uh, roughly less than two years ago uh, and where we are now and, and, and going well, the company, mainly around two dimensions. The first dimension has been to focus on the, on the, on the prioritization of healthcare. There have been really a solid strength for prioritization of healthcare in China. And um, and uh, we started to um, we started to offer that um, uh, our focus on, on affluent Chinese consumer and private clinical services. And the other side of it was what you mentioned, working with insurers uh, through a software as a service, where um, we started to help insurance company to change and move out from their uh, payer role to more uh, health partner role with the insurance members. Yeah. I, sorry, I didn't get fully the first part. You said two dimensions, so privatization of healthcare. So this is a part which is still the same rating or? Yeah, I think the, 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 the focus on this privatization of healthcare or, or related to the privatization of healthcare has been uh, on the premium um, market, meaning our platform at first was open to the public. We were working with, uh, you know, we had some segment of customers we were going after, but uh, it was not necessarily going for, for a higher tier of the market. You know, most people in China go to a uh, public hospital. This is a mainstream. So even in terms of cooperation with uh, hospitals, we were working with both uh, public and private, and especially because public was has been really the mainstream. But then we started to realize that first, um, 
the general consumer has not are not as educated as in other markets. So if you want to have valuable feedbacks that could be actionable for improvement and so on, it's better to to target on more educated people. Uh, and and then if you look at a public hospital themselves, even though some of them want to do better the job. Uh, they have so many constraints, right? The first constraint is budget and is a number of patients that visit their centers. So before they are really able to make a change in the way they, they, they manage their hospital, it's, it takes time. While if you start to look at the private sector, which was really starting to boom, there are lots of, of, of needs of building the confidence from consumers, uh, really adopting more patient centricity, more transparency in the way they do the care. So it's why we said we started to focus more on the Chinese affluent consumer, more educated, and um, private sector, so private clinics, private hospitals, or VIP services of public, which started to be a bit like uh, private sector. So this was the I first see. part of the, of the move. And of course, the, the private health insurance com component is also closely linked to this, right? Because usually you have a private health insurance to uh, cover uh, the, the cost of care if you go for private. I see. So if I understand your clients uh, have been both hospitals, uh, clinics, and uh, in insurance companies now? So actually, hospital and clinics are not our clients. We have been very, very clear from quite early in the process. We didn't want to have any revenue streams from uh, hospital and clinics. We don't want to have any incentive to send people to hospital. We don't want to have any incentive to select one hospital versus another. Okay. What we do with hospital and clinics is we give them uh, free tools, especially a patient feedback monitoring tool, so that they can um, collect the feedback from their patients when they come to for care. And from there, that they can um, better do what they do. They can uh, get analytics about their different medical teams, compare with other hospitals, improve their quality of care. And of course, it serves their reputation and the fact that it can help people to be uh, more confident to select those hospitals, especially people from insurance companies that are using our services. So um, this is more how we work with hospital and clinics. It's, uh, it's open to any hospital and clinics who are embracing transparency and patient centricity. We give them those free tools. How do you get your revenues then? So the revenues come from the insurance side. So uh, okay, it's so on the insurance side. Yeah, from the okay. from the from the pivot we did to uh, with the SaaS model, we offer these mobile services to insurance companies uh, that are using our mobile solution to create uh, health services for um, for their members. Right. So at first it was to help the insurance member to find medical services. Uh, according to your own insurance. So let's say you are insured by AXA, you receive your policy pack, um, you can one step activate your mobile health service and there uh, all the information about your own insurance plan are there. If you start to look at uh, medical options around you, let's say for um, a dermatologist or whatever specialty, you can check out which ones are going to be with direct billing, which one you're gonna have fully covered, which one you have still uh, out of pocket. So this is how we started the first version of the software as a service, personalizing the experience for you, for according to your insurance, according to your insurance plan. And from there, in the past 18 months, we've been growing our value proposition and making our SaaS more and more valuable to end user and, and our uh, insurance uh, clients and, and partners. I see. When you were saying two dimensions, were well, two dimensions of, 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 of momentum, of growth, privatization of healthcare and the SaaS model to serve healthcare, but it doesn't mean two streams of revenues. 
So the only yeah, one stream of review is for insurance. Okay, I got yeah, it. Exactly. I got exactly. it. Could you tell us more about the size of the company now in terms of uh, if you can disclose revenues, the size of the team, uh, number of users, number of, of clients, number of partners? I got some metrics on your website, but if you could share with your audience, it could be interesting. Okay. So we are, um, this year, we are heading to roughly it, um, 2 million USD um, annualized recurring revenue, which is a typical metrics for SaaS company. Um, we have uh, half million users, um, close to, to 10 uh, insurance uh, clients, and uh, over 100 employers um, as part of uh, uh, the beneficiaries for the employees of our solution. Okay, okay. Um, so ARR indeed. So you you invoice your 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 clients on an annual basis, not monthly basis. So we have even longer term contract. Right, we have contracts uh, that could be a three years contract. Um, and then the way to invoice is usually more quarterly basis. Okay, I see, I see. And in terms of, I, I saw you 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 raise money. Uh, I saw different numbers. I saw two million, three million, uh, depending on if I read on TechCrunch or on other 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 articles, which are not the same date actually. So, what 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 is it now? How much have you raised? So, in total, we raised a bit more than three million USD. Uh, we've been uh, we did you know like like most startups like uh, family and friends a lot of money at at first. Uh, then we did an angel round, which was our first significant round and uh, involving uh, mostly uh, entrepreneurs, uh, China-based or European-based entrepreneurs. This was in uh, July 2015. Um, so roughly yeah, 18 months after starting the company. And, um, and it was still before the pivot. And then uh, we joined China Accelerator, um, a good accelerator program in late uh, second half of 2016 that trigger some uh, preliminary uh, additional uh, um, financing or, or, or yeah, investments, but that came as part of a, of a round that we closed last year. So end of 2017, we, climbed, we, we closed our first uh, VC uh, background. We've also um, uh, local Chinese healthcare investors. Um, yeah, so totally we raised a bit more than 3 million USD as of now. Interesting. I, th there's one thing I, I really would like to talk about with you is, um, as I mentioned before, we, we prepared the interview a little bit. We, we little bit prepared, very, very little. I sent you some, some of the questions I wanted to ask you. And one of them is, how do you align the interest of so many people who have been around you? I've been very impressed by seeing how many successful entrepreneurs, uh, um, actually VCs, people in the community of healthcare, in the community of entrepreneurs in China, has been um, um, has been is in your capital is supporting you? How do how, I, I guess you have thought a lot about this? I guess you have worked a lot about this on how to align all those interests. I think it's just a matter of uh, of a few things. Uh, one one is uh, you know a French entrepreneur in healthcare, internet in China. There are there are not so many, right? So I think it's always um, creating some uh, curiosity from some people. Of course, some people may just think, yeah, it's a bit crazy. Uh, it will never make it. Uh, but, uh, but I think it creates some curiosity and some openness to better understand, you know, what, 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 uh, what we are doing and why. 
um, I think our purpose is is positive, right? As soon as you you you, it's positive, and it's something that people can easily buy in, right? We are here to help people to have a better healthcare healthcare experience, which are much more consumer centric. And each any of us have been facing situations for ourselves or close where we feel that it's not not simple at all, you know, as a as a to to experience healthcare. So I think that's that's quite something a topic that is. You know, some people are sensitive to, <clears throat> and then it's just because we have been lasting, right? It's been like a, you know, we started the company uh, four years and a half uh, now ago, and um, and we've been go- we've been through different steps or stage, um, and uh, yeah, I think now we've we found our path and uh, we started to really um, great uh, get a great um, traction, great partners, great clients. Uh, yeah, that's that's just a matter of perseverance and being in a field that people are sensitive to, I guess. Going back on 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 how do you attract the eyes of uh, successful entrepreneurs, for instance, in China? And I, I know you you have been uh, uh, be able to attract some the eyes of them. What do you offer them? Do you offer them some shares in, in your capital? Uh, uh, initially, do you offer them a board seat? Do you offer, how do you uh, do you keep them involved with you along your your path of growing? I feel you have this community around you supporting you. Yeah. Uh, how do you keep them? I think it's a big question a lot of people are asking themselves. How do you keep involved people around you when actually you are growing your business and you need the money to grow your business? You cannot basically give them money, not much, uh, and you would like them to have as as a as a on, on the board. You would like. To have them involved, how, yeah. do you, how would you how do you how do you manage that? I think yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, it's true that from from day one, um, because I was moving from a large um, healthcare company to run a startup in the consumer space in the technology space, um, I, I was I was quite. I was underestimating the challenges, of course, to succeed, but I was quite clear about the fact that uh, it was brand new for me. And I had to find people that can uh, help. Um, and I was not able to, to, to manage to get fund, co-founders at start. Now I have, I think um, I've been joined by two great co-founders uh, two years ago, but at start, it was not the case. So I wanted really to, to find um, people that could be um, that could have different um, perspective on, on what I'm going to build, right? People coming from, you know, um, so I, I put together a group of, uh, of advisors. So people I approached and say, or I knew them from my network or whatever. And I say, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to have uh, support and advice from, uh, from you from time to time. Um, and and how, how how you can get the buying again? They need to buy in the vision, the willingness too. But then, of course, to give them something. So it has been quite straightforward. I give roughly zero point one percent of the initial capital to each advisor. Um, and I, I had like at start something like eight, ten advisors, and they had an option to invest at the same time with a special discount versus uh, any other shareholder. And so uh, this is how some of them. I've also invested, um, or they, 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 they took a role first as a pure advisory. And, you know, when we did our angel round, they came in because they've been observing the company for, you know, 12 months, 18 months. And I took people from, you know, leading healthcare communication agency, um, leading like McCann, leading tech company, uh, like Airbnb, um, people like, um, who succeeded in e-commerce in China and, 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 and later on sold their companies. Um, and, and this actually, I've been redoing it reshuffle because your need of advisors evolve over time. So I would say every, every year, 
then we bring we brought in new advisors right uh, so some were remaining some were, were lasting uh, because they were able to continue to, to to help us and support us and so then we became we came, we started to really put in place like one year advisory contract where we will we grant options for shares that we invest after one year where they've been fulfilling their 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 support so um, of course it takes a bit of time also to meet from time to time but actually then the way also to do it is and this is something we learned through Accelerator is to have really, really good our communication to your um, shareholders, advisors, and also the com- community of investors. So we have, we try to have every four to six weeks um, a newsletter that goes to uh, more the broad investor community, but that involves shareholders and advisors, uh, to whom we, on some topics, we we, we may ask for help. Uh, and uh, and of course, we can also proactively seek uh, specific help. For, for for some advisor on specific topic. But I think it's something that we have been reinforced. I did it from day one, and it's really part of sort of, the, of any any accelerator program, the way they, they help you, and they help you to continue to to nurture this kind of relationship with advisors. Uh, and uh, it, it was like this at Chan Accelerator, and more recently at Ping An Accelerator we did. And uh, I think it's highly valuable. But of course, you need, yeah, you need, to, you need to give transparency and help people to understand what you do, right? And otherwise, no way that they can feel part of it and uh, come and help you when you. It's very, very interesting. And how, how did you get those metrics like 0.1%, giving them a, give them a, a contract, if they're able to, to invest later on at a, at a discount? Did you, did, were you advising this? Were you reading? Were you on, on top of your head? And then you said, okay, we are going to, to give 0.1%. How did it come from? How did you structure that? I think it's a combination, right? There, there are some typical uh, startup. Um, uh, level of share that you give to an advisor when they are at the board, right? Like, uh, and usually it's more, you know, 0. 0.5, 1%, 1.5%. But usually these guys, you, you really put them and they come at one, one single guy and they are really part of your, more or less of your company, right? And they have really a strong, strong engagement. Here is more soft. Uh, at least at SAS, there's more soft uh, engagement. Um, and then you just need to have something which is a bit significant, but but just more it's significant and symbolic, right? So, you know, the equivalent at first was something like 3,000 uh, USD or 4,000 USD of free shares, right? Which when you when the first round we raised, um, I don't know, 200,000 USD, you know, it's like if you look versus how much we raised, it, it starts to be a bit significant at, at this scale. Of course, now it's worth uh, 10 times more. Uh, but um, but I think when now we are granting this equivalent of this 15 share, now it's like 10K USD or 15K USD equivalent, but it's really more on a contract base with, uh, with some milestones and investing. Mm. I see. You were talking about your co-founders. Uh, and you said you started alone. Uh, then you found your co-founders two years ago. So basically, it was already two years and a half you had been you had been starting. Um, how how do you find how do you find them? How do you build trust? And how do you make sure they are the right ones? And finally, how do you integrate them when you have already done so much during two years and a half alone? That's a, a, a question that a lot of entrepreneurs are asking themselves. Um, how, how do you how do you tackle this issue? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's very tricky, and and um, and of course, I would have liked to bring in earlier on uh, co-founders that can help me to uh, to grow the company uh, faster. Especially, then you need to be early on have complementary skills, right? And uh, there is no way that you can hire uh, sufficiently senior people, talented people, to fit your the the gap that you have, right? And 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 what you need. 
um, at early stage. The only way is to have co-founders. And, um, and yeah, I think I tried at the very beginning, but uh, I didn't, I was at first, I was not at all in the network of entrepreneurship in China, in the tech, in the tech scene. So at least you kept most of the guys who, who are relevant for that. And I was not really clear neither about what I would need uh, at first until you are really hands-on in. So I made several, uh, and then it's, then it has been really uh, iterating. I tried a few um, later on, definitely when I, before preparing the, the the more significant round with VC, I knew that it was something that you can't, you can't, or you really reduce your chance to raise significant capital if you don't have co-founders. Um, so it was in 2016 where really I put myself this goal to bring in uh, co-founders. And actually I had two attempts before uh, getting this uh, done. So the the first one um, is a person that came and worked for me, uh, worked together for four or five months um, in the process of hiring or, or she, she, she met also our board members or senior advisors. Um, very good. Yeah, very good fit potentially. And actually the, the, the experience of four or five months have been more for that person, a kind of difficult challenge because we are still very early stage. Uh, so I think not enough used to a startup, um, never had a real startup experience, uh, which of course, when you see how tough is it and, and you have to build everything and, and still there are many things that are not built and you still need to, 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 to run, right? So that, that, that was not the right fit. And then there is uh, another guy, uh, also potentially good fit with that, that time startup experience, but he was a bit more financial constraint. So the idea was he, he worked with me on the side, not, not uh, on a position for kind of six months until we were supposed to raise uh, the round. But actually raising the round took us like 12 months more. <laughs> so it was too long for him to, 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 um, sure. to wait. And actually what happened is that, and this is the best way, I think the what happened is that we, the, my two co-founders came in uh, when we did the pivot to InsurTech when we were in, um, uh, in China Accelerator. So to some extent, it's kind of rebirth of your company also, right? Okay. Uh, your company just like changed drastically uh, the way you, um, you, you, you operate, the way you create value. <clears throat> and um, one of them actually had been a professional friend for you know, two years before, was already a professional friend. You um, were starting to advise the company more as a, on the advisory side uh, for for at least uh, nine twelve months before uh, taking the role, and um, yeah, I think he jumped in as soon as uh, as soon uh, it was a good window. Uh, we did the right pivot, started to have a dimension, and from his professional life, it was also the the right window. So uh, that was perfect. And the second one uh, was more recommendations to our investor. Okay. So one of our investors, VC investor, uh, did recommend us. Um, it was also a very complementary profile versus what we were newly building. And uh, and uh, someone who had experience in startups, someone who had experience in various industries. Uh, so yeah, ultimately, uh, and, and to your question about how do you, you know, get them on board and so on. Yeah, you need really just to... To give, you know, it should, it should be, you should stop to be, you know, the one deciding everything, right? It should first, like, you break really the, the responsibilities each of us should. And the way we did it was quite interesting was to say, you know, look at the stakeholders around us, who we, who we need to engage, right? From, uh, you know, media, um, investors, shareholders, uh, end user, uh, prospect, and so on. And each of us were accountable for different stakeholders, meaning 
all the activities be behind it, right? And different KPIs, of course, align with this. And this is how we started to frame very separated um, uh, scope. And then just the principle of taking decision together when there were some problems, right? When there were some issues about the company, uh, when there were some, uh, and, and really be transparent. Uh, and because we were rebuilding the company on a new, a new, a new offer, uh, then I think it, it, it worked. It's very impressive. So basically, in um, in less in about two years, you you build a new business model um, as um, with insurance insurance companies as clients, and you are now at the two million uh, US ARR within two years, which is. Uh, very very quick growth basically uh, because you didn't leverage much of the um, past existing business uh, past um, business model right it's, it was totally new two years ago yeah but of course it's it's uh, the platform for instance our technology uh, assets uh, is mm -hmm. the same right and and we build on the on the initial platform uh, to create this software as a service so um, no, of course, uh, it's not like uh, building a, a new company from scratch. Uh, we've been able to leverage a lot the company um, uh, technology that are um, our network of hospital and clinics that has, that is also very important in the SaaS model uh, for insurance and um, yeah, the credibility of the company uh, in the industry, uh, which is very important in B two B side, right? And, Talking about the product, so um, actually I downloaded the app. I, I looked, I, I played a bit with, with it. Uh, it's a very um, the tutorial are, um, are very intuitive. So you, you get you get how to use the app very quickly. You get the ratings very quickly on, on on the hospital as well. You see comments on the hospitals on different different providers. Um, could you tell us more about what currently the the app is solving as problems for the insurance companies for the users? And for also, I guess, the, the stakeholders you talked about, the brokers, everyone surrounding uh, this industry. Mm. So actually, the, the, I guess the app that you are referring to is the uh, free version, right? It's the app that is available on App Store uh, exactly. for anyone with first level of, of, of content and services. And this is mainly the similar um, app that, that we've started with. Of course, it has been upgraded over time. Uh, because the rating, the recommendation, the search engine is the same uh, that is used also uh, for our SaaS, uh, for insurance and insurance members. But as soon as you use our solution as an insurance member, you have a different experience. Uh, either it could be inside our app or it could be inside the app or the WeChat of our insurance partner. We bring our mobile solution wherever our insurance um, companies, clients wants to engage with their insurance member, right? So uh, it depends on their existing assets, uh, digital assets, and 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 it is. And so, what do we? We actually the 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 now we cover really the three dimension of helping insurance member to stay healthy and encourage or reward healthy behavior, um, helping insurance member to easily find and access medical services. Uh, and third, make their um, usage of insurance benefits very transparent and, and very uh, also um, easy and, and, and fast access, right? So, you know, it starts with, um, for instance, now we have a step tracker with weekly targets uh, that can be activated for some of our insurance clients that allows uh, to indeed encourage uh, more physical activities and have a direct impact on your premium. Um, 
we uh, we have an AI a virtual health assistant uh, that is um, powered by um, Mayo Clinic, which is a leading U.S. medical institutions, through which you can discuss with this um, and discuss like we are discussing now or chat um, with this bot uh, for five, 10 minutes with your symptom. And from there, uh, it helps you to understand what is the likely underlying condition that you have uh, and what should be the course of action. Can you manage on your own? So there is a significant self-care component on it. And in many situations, you can manage on your own. You don't need to see uh, or visit a medical professional. And if you need, you know, what is the kind of specialty you need to see, what level of emergency you need. So it's really to, to help you to manage your symptom and knows what you should do. And from there, we can guide you to uh, online consultation. We, we partnered with some online consulting uh, on, online consultation uh, uh, service or directly to offline, uh, you know, referring you to uh, hospital or clinics. And, and then from there, if you need to, uh, of course, submit your claim, get your reimbursement, this is done uh, fully online. So it saves you time and, uh, and, uh, and money, right? You get back your money early on. Uh, you can order your medication online through a partner at the pharmacy. Uh, you can upgrade potentially your insurance if you want to have more benefits. Uh, so this is mostly uh, the kind of customer journey uh, for uh, for um, end user as soon as you access to this um, uh, upgraded version. And so you were asking, you know, for, for the insurance, what the value for them, right? I think insurance companies are facing a number of issues among which um, their, uh, their plans are not that attractive if now they are not competing with some services. Right? If it's just a, a, an insurance plan, um, yeah, you know that if you have a problem, you, they're going to pay for this. Uh, but it's, you're even not sure because it's not that easy to understand those plans. But anyway, that's, that's another topic. Um, but it's really about like um, helping those um, insurance products to be more attractive because they are more uh, supportive the, uh, of, of the health needs of, of, the, of, the, of the potential end user or, or employee or individuals. And... Uh, and as soon as this means that by doing this, they have uh, more sales, right? The, the, they are more likely to sell. And we have already uh, measured this kind of 50% additional sales if you bring the solution with your plan. The second thing is as soon as you have uh, your, your, you have this kind of service, you can measure satisfaction and the retention. And we have uh, already uh, up to 40% higher renewal rate when insurance members are on the solution in the service versus uh, not. So that's also a very, uh, very direct impact, of course, for, for insurance. And when you have this, you generate a lot of data. You generate data about, um, about your customer, about the medical network that can help the insurance company to keep uh, improving their product to make it more personalized. Um, and, and then uh, your member being on mobile, you can digitalize number of administrative related tasks of the insurance. Uh, I mentioned for them the e-claims, but uh, it's the same for some pre-authorization, some different papers that are done today offline that can be done digitalized. So you, then you reduce the cost of uh, very human-intensive activities like call center or claim management, uh, and it drives, uh, of course, costs down for them. I see. There are a lot of different topics um, raised here, and one of them I'm, I'm a bit surprised that all those insurance companies, AXA, and others uh, you you are working with, we we they, they should be supposed to already have those kind of softwares of apps. We, we we expect them to have at least the money, the investment abilities, the thinking of that. Did you replace something existent, or did you create something new? 
you know, you know, it's like um, so. Some of them have some beginning of app, right? To be to be a, uh, and especially most of the apps are more claim related, which more the administrative element of it, right? You have an insurance. At least you want to be able to to submit your claim online. Um, but the, but I think it's a, a kind of wrong start because you start not really helping people with their health. So the usage of this and 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 the the the, the, the competing aspect of it is not that that uh, that high. Uh, and and the problem is that those those the assumption you did that they have the the capabilities and so on that's not true. Right? They are not digital companies. They are not technology company. Uh, creating yeah. You know, people have in mind that creating an app is simple, but now with the evolution of um, of technologies and what's happening, it goes too fast. There is no way to catch up with the technology, and quickly, uh, an app become obsolete. Uh, it's not attractive enough, uh, and so if you want to really bring um, something highly valuable, leveraging latest technologies that are going to be continued to work for your customers, uh, software as a service, you know, is becoming the standard across industries. It's like for Salesforce, right? If you imagine you build your own CRM, look, does it make sense, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense to build your own Salesforce. Your own Salesforce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the same, right? If you want to create engagement around health insurance for your customers, uh, don't try to build something. Uh, or look, look around, and, and now you have like you know companies like us um, with a software as a service that ensure you you're gonna have a very personalized um, experience for your for insurance member that reflect your brand, that reflect the service that you want, that reflect your insurance plan, and that is highly cost-effective. When you build an app, you know, it costs you X. You don't know what is going to be the usage. You need to reinvest regularly uh, and so on. Uh, while when you are software as a service, it's pay-per-use, so it's very efficient move. I see, I see. Talking about development, you said it's a full-time job to develop uh, apps, develop softwares. Currently, you're on iOS. Uh, you are uh, you, you have developed a mini program on WeChat. Could you tell us a little bit more about uh, your develop, your ecosystem in terms of development, uh, specifically actually a little bit for China, but also generally speaking about your your, your development platform? Mm. I, I think the, the the core is the backend, right? It's uh, and soon we'll reveal um, the way we are like uh, seeing now the, the the product, but we are heading towards kind of uh, OS system. A kind of uh, careless operating system. Uh, so we have a kind of, of own um, backend architecture where uh, we can very easily and automatically customize the digital experience for any insurer, any partner we have for, for their end user. Uh, and this takes us a few minutes, and we can also give and grant the access um, to our partners to do them this to do it uh, themselves. So I think that's that's a, that's a very solid element. The other element is that we we have some some technologies that are really advanced technologies um, that we either build ourselves or we partner with third parties. Um, like for instance, this AI virtual health assistant. Actually, we made a partnership with a US tech company, um, uh, Sensory, who is very solid in this space, uh, and we help them to localize here for uh, for this part of the world and also to embed this into our full customer journey for an insurance members. Uh, because with the outcome of uh, this virtual health assistant, you still have ideally the need to combine this with healthcare navigation, right? Or recommendation to online consultation. Um, 
So I think these are, you know, two components, right? The the the, the structure, the back end, um, and uh, some technologies. And then from the front end, then it's 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 um, typical for any any software, right? So we are available on iOS, on Android, on uh, uh, inside WeChat, um, and we can bring this. Uh, mobile solution in the environment of uh, insurers. So then from a cl- we also, for now, either on AliCloud or Ping and Cloud, especially since we joined Ping and, uh, Ping and, uh, Ping and Accelerator. Um, and so we have the ability also to bring our SaaS in a different uh, cloud um, uh, cloud requirement or even on-premise, possibly, or on private cloud for, for uh, some insurers. I see. Um, talk, talking about the AI uh, you brought from the US, uh, AI is very linked to voice. Uh, so your, your part of your job has been to adapt it to China in terms of voice, in terms of content, in terms of language. Um, and uh, how, how are you are you leveraging this AI from the US, saying it's a Western AI? So it's uh, the standards are different. As very often, how uh, Western players are positioning themselves in China. Not much about no. Actually, not not really about the uh, you know Chinese 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 are very good in AI, especially natural uh, language processing and 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 Chinese uh, recognition. So actually, there are different components in this uh, in this technology partnership, and and some components actually come from Chinese company behind also uh, behind the US one. But uh, actually, where, where we are where we are uh, leveraging this is more with Mayo Clinic, which is a, a US top leading medical providers and all the medical content, the clinical algorithm behind um, the investigation and the outcome of this conversation with the virtual health assistants comes from Mayo Clinic, which is, of course, very good for uh, the branding and the confidence of uh, Chinese consumer. How, how do you deal with regulation in China? Healthcare is very regulated sector everywhere in the world. In China, I guess it is as well, even maybe more. Uh, you are bringing AI from the U.S., uh, how do you how do you deal with all those questions? Um, I think the the, the main uh, regulations um, are on. Um, well, there, there, to say there is one which is more like business licenses. You know what? Yeah. How can you operate and so on? And um, for now, CareVoice we operate uh, without any um, ICP VIE model because we don't sell services online. And uh, the sales are closed. Uh, it's more like okay. a B2B business. Uh, uh, but at one point, it may be uh, something that we will start to, to look for. VIE being, just if people who don't know, VIE is being viable interest equity, meaning that you get you partner with a change equity, which is invoicing for the clients because the, the foreign company cannot invoice. For instance, in travel, it's very, very often VIE. Uh, so there is a Chinese, purely Chinese invoicing the client and internet it is as well mm. VIE system. And some, some companies are listed on the NASDAQ with a VIE structure in, mm. in, in, in China. Um, so yeah. this is one kind of regulation, but for now we are not exposed to. Another kind is, um, is more about uh, user privacy data. Uh, mm. which is also a very important topic. Actually, people tend to think that uh, China regulation on that is behind or not necessarily aligned with, with uh, other countries. If you really go through the, um, the Chinese regulation, um, you know, um, uh, guidance or, or the latest uh, issuance, uh, they are also very strict. I'm not sure they are enforced the same way, at least for now. I'm sure that it will come. Um, but on our side, actually, we comply with uh, both U.S., uh, very, very important to US uh, for, for healthcare is HIPAA, 
uh, and more recently with Europe GDPR, uh, because we have partner uh, insurer or employer service provider that are um, mm. requiring this. So we, 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 we definitely are now compliant uh, and de facto to the change regulation. So I think yeah, user data privacy security is um, highly important. Uh, you can't sign big insurance company if you, if you don't uh, comply to this regulation. <clears throat> So then the one you were referring to is more for a medical, medical license. Um, or here we don't, actually, the, and especially for the AI, the AI is not a medical diagnosis, remains um, a, a self-assessment tool for the patients, right? For helping the patients to make their own decision. Uh, but it can't replace um, a medical diagnosis with, by, a, by a licensed doctor. So you need to be very straight about the disclaimer on that. Of course, it, the, the content is high quality. It's coming from medical providers. It's supporting, uh, but ultimately, it's not replacing uh, um, a medical diagnosis. I see. Okay. Um, in, as I mentioned before, um, um, actually, before when, when we prepared the, the interview, um, I, f I feel you are you are very present in the media. You you are you are being in Amsterdam. I see some some uh, some. Uh, uh, some press release in Amsterdam, in Shanghai, in Hong Kong, uh, in Hong Kong fintech uh, forum. You are very, very active on in all those forums uh, on the scene. What does it bring you? Because that's taking a lot of time. Um, what, does it help to actually find your co-founders, find investors, find find partners? What do you take from it, and how do you make use of it? Yeah, no, I think it's a very good question. It's always a tricky decision to say uh, whether I should do this, you know, and, and you need to 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 have your own, you know, strategic goals and, and, and see, you know, what fits in and what not, right? So, um, yeah, I think quite early on, I've been very open to and actively seeking um, exposure opportunities or for this kind of, um, of events. But they have evolved a lot over time, right? I think at the very beginning, it's, it helps you to start to be a bit more, you know, recognized as a, something as a startup like, uh, you know, emerging so forth. And I remember we were a seed star uh, number two uh, in Shanghai, which was a big competition and so on. And it was good to, you know, to, to, to reach this. Uh, it was I think at the time of our angel round, maybe something like this. So it was more like the exercise of pitching um, and potentially, you know, meeting some angels around. But uh, but it was, I, I guess, more a way to show that the, the startups, our startups, started to be recognized and having something and get the first, you know, few one or two rounds. Um, and then came the pivot to intertech, and that was very critical to be recognized by uh, insurance industry leaders. Uh, insurtech uh, conferences as one of the uh, emerging insurtech company. So from, let's say, September last year, mid last year, um, mostly yeah, for six months period, yeah, we took many opportunities to do this. Uh, and it was a time also we were closing the round, so it was good to show investors that we were recognized by top uh, insurance industry um, uh, leaders conferences and intratech. Uh, we've been um, at the digital insurer, uh, Singapore, Asia, uh, where we were uh, first uh, runner-up, um, Pacific Insurance Conference in Hong Kong, where we were six insurtech, uh, speaking to the top leaders of the insurance industry. Uh, yeah, a few examples like that. And actually, 
that that was the first objective. But the second objective was score BD at that point of time, right? Because all these guys in the rooms are insurance leaders. And uh, we had six, nine months of launching our solution to insurance with first insurance clients. So we were in the phase of like, uh, you know, of course, building our pipeline. Uh, and that has been very effective for that, right? Uh, directly meeting CEO, C-level uh, executive in those conferences, people in charge of innovations, who are people who are potentially the first sponsor or the first uh, guys that are going to you know, bring you inside their company. Um, so this is really pure BD and, and seeking sales, right? So first was really to get the recognition that we became an insure tech among the, the emerging insure tech and to uh, um, uh, generating leads for for uh, insurance. And um, and part of uh, a third component is more pre-marketing for um, new markets, new geographies. So when we went to Southeast Asia or Hong Kong or, or, or Singapore, yeah, Singapore mostly, and as you mentioned in May to, uh, to in Europe to a big insure tech uh, conference we were invited to speak, um, it's also part of kind of pre-marketing to start to see whether or not beyond China mainland, you know, how it is uh, perceived. And that was also um, the pre-step before deciding to launch in Hong Kong. We, we officially launched in September in Hong Kong, uh, but we, had, we did generate leads across Southeast Asia region. Uh, we had interest in Malaysia, in, in Singapore, in Indonesia from a number of insurance companies. And uh, we assessed all that in February and said, okay, let's go for, for Hong Kong for different reasons. It's uh, the best choice to start with outside mainland. Uh, and in May, we did the same this year for, for Europe. And we start also to see a lot of interest there. Uh, now we are doing a strategic round with strategic investors, meaning we bring insurance-related investors to the, to the capital of the company. And, um, and of course, this is also part of, of the way uh, you connect with uh, uh, the right people uh, and uh, and prepare potentially an expansion beyond the uh, greater China. You were talking about going overseas, I mean, from China to other countries. You were talking about Europe, you are talking about mainly Southeast Asia. Um, what, what do you feel are the differences in terms of operation, in terms of ecosystem in healthcare? And I talked um, recently on the show with Thomas Mayer from Mobile Now, who was telling me that Ch China is... Uh, very advanced in terms of use of technology with QR code, WeChat, creating a different system. We, we, as we are living in China, we live it every day. Uh, but it's, it's actually it's actually it's very new for 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 the people. Like uh, someone in the CRM system from France was asking me, "Oh, we have to uh, follow a client in China." And I'm thinking on the POS point of sales. How many people use cash? I told I told him that's fine. Ninety nine percent have WeChat or Alipay with uh, payment, and they will use QR code. So you don't have to care to be to 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 be worried about. What do you feel are the differences in uh, in tech um, in the health tech industry mm. between uh, China and the rest of the world? I think yeah, of what you mentioned is uh, is obvious. Right, China is very very advanced now, and. Um, Interestingly, in insurance, they are hiding a lot what's happening here. Uh, a company like Pingan became the number one insurance uh, in terms of, 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 of business size worldwide. And more importantly, in terms of innovation, where they've been investing in the technology space, uh, Pingan Tech, their arm, have already been incubating several companies that have been IPO, Lufax, uh, Pingan Good Doctor, uh, and, and the insurance overseas are just like looking at that and saying, okay, they are building real strong ecosystem service to consumers that are a way to 
uh, you know, get the next generation of or, or to capture the, the, the new insurance uh, or create new insurance products. So, uh, so definitely we see, uh, and I mentioned Pingan, but Jonggan is also another very strong uh, uh, um, uh, example, pure, pure full stack digital insurer. Um, so we see China as being our, you know, home and, and more importantly, our R&D hub, right? It's here we've built, we've been building Carevoice, we've been building our SaaS, we are going to continue to, to innovate. Um, and interestingly, these are innovations that are going to go now across markets. Um, Hong Kong was, was a good move to go because it's a very mature uh, market, generally speaking, but especially for health insurance. Everybody has a private health insurance. It's normal. The market is very prioritized. So mm. the fact that we've been localizing our platform there, matching the requirements, also more demanding. I mentioned about security compliance, more demanding market on this on this aspect. Um, but at the same time, it's also a market where um, where they're still a bit desktop oriented, especially employer employees. Uh, you know, people can uh, are not yet using. Uh, as, as much as mobile that is, so there are, there are some adjustments that we do also, but uh, but 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 it's picking up definitely. Um, I was discussing with people in North Europe; they are already cashless, they are already mobile. Uh, so it depends on on the countries in Europe, but you have already this. Right? And and then if you look Southeast Asia, uh, Southeast Asia is following what's happening in China, and right? so very quickly all these smaller countries, Southeast Asian countries, that are already uh, mobile, uh, mobile first. Uh, I think are going to be so very solid. It's uh, uh, very solid adoption of what we do. Interesting. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much for being with us, Sebastian. I hope you you enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, those are great questions. Thanks. Um, hope everyone enjoyed to listen to us, and uh, thanks for listening. Yep. Cheers.